You're listening to the teaching podcast of The Crossing Church. We exist so that the real you can have a daily encounter with the real Jesus in word and deed. For more information about our church, visit crossingparagold.com. everybody. You guys are way too quiet this morning. Let's try that again. Good morning. It's a little bit better. So hey, if you have a Bible, let me invite you to go to Matthew chapter 5 as we continue to work through the Sermon on the Mount, which as we said last week is not only the most influential part of the Bible over the last 2,000 years, but it's also a collection of Jesus's greatest teachings around this idea of human Flourishing, And if you remember from last week, in order to kind of frame our time together and where we were heading in the series, um, what we said is that because Jesus knows what it's like to be happy and because Jesus cares about your happiness, what he's doing in the Sermon on the Mount is he is laying out for us a pathway to experience true and lasting happiness. I heard one pastor this last week say this. He said, happy Christians are a sick world's antibodies. In other words, happy Christians make the world a healthy place. And therefore, because that is true, Jesus in our text today, he wants to lay out for us the importance uh, not only of becoming a people who are happy and whole, but he's going to show us how we can then, in response, take our happiness and our wholeness into the world so that this place can look a little bit less like hell and a little bit more like the kingdom of heaven. And so with that in mind, I want to invite you to look with me in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 13. We'll read down to verse 16. And uh, as always, I'm reading from the NIV translation. And if you want the notes for the sermon today, it'll be on the YouVersion Bible app. Um, it's a very simple message this morning. Very familiar passage, very simple text, but I pray that it has a, a profound impact in your life. Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's pray together one more time. Father, we thank you for your word. Jesus, we thank you for this great call and invitation to live as salt and light. And I pray that today, God, that though, again, this is a familiar passage, that you would thrill us with these words, you would excite us, that it would propel us forward in mission and to, to be the men, to be the women that you have called us to be for the good of this city and this world and ultimately for your glory. And it is in Christ's name that I pray and ask these things. Amen. Well, one of the things that I love about God is that he sees more in us than we see in ourselves. I love reading stories in the Bible where God will go to someone like Moses or David or the prophet Jeremiah. And these are they're these seemingly ordinary people that don't seem like a lot on the surface. But God, he sees something in them they don't see in themselves. And then he calls it out of them and he uses them in extraordinary ways. You know, uh, one of the reasons that I actually have found courage... Uh, to do what I do, to get up and preach like I am today is because God, through people, uh, saw things in me that I didn't see in myself and they called it out in me. 
And so this may come as a surprise to you, but uh, early on in ministry, I was terrified of public speaking. I would never get up in front of a group, and uh, definitely a group this size, and, and teach and preach. And so when I started a college ministry, every single week I would bring in another pastor or another minister from another church um, because I thought there was no way that I would ever be able to take something from the Bible and teach it to other people in a way that would make since. And so this kind of continued for a while. And I'll never forget uh, my sophomore year in college, I had to take oral communications. And so it was just a basic class. And I had a professor, uh, Don Martin, who was a pastor in Jonesboro. And one day he pulled me aside and he said, Jared, man, God has given you the gift of communication. Like you're a great communicator. You're very articulate. You're able to take your words and, and, and put them out there in a way that people can easily understand. And so I want to encourage you. I know you haven't really been speaking at this college ministry, but I want to encourage you to share, to open up. I think you have a lot to say and God would use you. And I remember it gave me great courage. And then I remember my dad, he would uh, eventually see this in me as well. My dad's a pastor here in town and he would begin to say, okay, Jared, I'm going to let you preach every now and then on a Sunday night. You know, Sunday night service in the Baptist world is a little different. Like a, like 40 people there in the, on a Sunday night service. But he'd give me a chance to preach. And without fail, after a service was over, somebody would come up to me and say, young man, what you said today just was exactly what I needed to hear. You know, they would say, I, I, I can see you one day preaching and, and teaching. I believe God's hand is on you. And so again, it would give me courage. I remember a time whenever I was in California at a, a conference. I was in San Diego and, and Elbert Paul. Some of you may remember, uh, may remember Elbert Paul. I'd never met him before, but it was in a crowd like this. And he was talking and he looked out at me and he said, you, sir. And I was like, you know, looking behind me, he's like, no, you. It's like, uh, God's given me a vision of you. He's like, what's your name? I'm like, my name's Jared. And he said, okay, I don't know anything about you, but I have a vision of, uh, of all these starving people that are around you and you're holding a megaphone. And I believe what God wants you to know is that he's given you a gift to preach and to teach in order to, to feed people the word of God so that they can be nourished and they can grow into the men and women God's called them to be. And I give more examples of this, but there are times in my life, moments like these where God, what he was doing is he was using other people to point out something in me I didn't see in myself. And as a result, it led me to where I am today to do what I do. And the reason I share that with you this morning is because as we come to this portion of the Sermon Mount, Jesus is now going to do the same thing for you. He's going to call out something in you and something in me that we would never have seen in ourselves. He's going to affirm us. He's going to reveal to us a potential and a purpose for our life that is greater than we can ever imagine. And he does it in verse 13 and 14. If you look again where he starts and he says, you are the salt of the earth. And then in verse 14, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. and Notice Jesus here, he doesn't say, you have salt. Or notice he doesn't say that you have light or you should be salt or you ought to be light. But he says, no, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. In other words, what Jesus is saying is this. If you are my disciple, this is who you are. Like this is your identity. This is the truest thing about you. You are the salt of the earth, and you are the light of the world. And so I just want to stop right there. And I, I want us to recognize for a moment that what Jesus is saying here is this. Despite what you have been told, if you are a follower of Jesus, you matter more than you could ever imagine. You matter. You are incredibly valuable to King Jesus and his kingdom work. And this is so important that you get this today because some of you, you came in and it was a tough week. I mean, some of you walk into the room today and you find yourself unemployed without work and you feel like, man, do I really matter? Like, like am I of any value? Or maybe you came into the, the room today and you were made fun of at school or you didn't make a team. I mean, do I matter? If I, am I of any value? And Jesus says, you matter more than you could imagine. You are of incredible 
worth. For some of you in here, you are maybe single today, whether because of divorce or a different set of circumstances. And because in our culture, we make singleness out to be more like a cursing than a blessing. You feel less than or second class. And you're like, man, I, I just don't feel like I matter. And Jesus says, that's a lie. You matter more than you can imagine. For others of you, maybe you're in here and, and life is not just panned out the way that you thought it would. You don't have much money and you're not very successful. Maybe in the eyes of the world, you feel like a failure and you're like, man, does my life really matter? And Jesus says, absolutely it does. You are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. It's important to know that the word that Jesus uses here in this passage for you is in the second person plural. And so if Jesus was from Arkansas, here's the way he'd say it. Y'all are the salt of the earth and y'all are the light of the world. In other words, what Jesus is getting at here whenever he says you is he's getting at this reality that we, when working together, are the salt of the earth. And we, when we work together, are the light of the world. And this is why the church is so important. Because despite what you have been told, in order for for us to be the people God made us to be, in order for us to be happy and whole, to take happiness and wholeness into the world around us, right? we need to realize today that we need each other. Like, Like you need me. And whether you realize it or not, even as a pastor, I desperately need you. Because even as a pastor, if I can just make this about me for a second, I have a lot of weaknesses. And those of you that know me are, are amen in that in your heart right now. You're like, yes, you do. And, and so as much as you need me, I need you. I need your encouragement. I need your witness. I need you to tell me what's true and what's a lie. I need you to remind me that my preaching and that my labor is not in vain. I need you to push me towards Jesus, to encourage me to pursue holiness, to call me out when I'm not walking in step with the gospel. I need you to fan into flame the gift that God has given me. Like, like, yes, you do need me, but I desperately need you. And this is what Jesus is getting at here. He is saying that, that we need each other. He's saying that if we want to realize the full potential of our lives, if we want to step into what is already true about us, then he says we have to work together. Why? Because, again, you are salt and you are light. Now, with that being said, the question I want to try to answer in the time we have left is, what exactly does Jesus mean here when he says you're the salt of the earth and the light of the world? I found out this past week, I didn't know it until Robert came and told me, that apparently if someone says you're salty, that's not a good thing anymore. And so... Um, This isn't exactly language that we use anymore. So what does Jesus mean when he says, you're the salt of the earth and the light of the world? And for starters, um, there's, by the way, there's stacks and stacks of commentaries uh, out there on on what all of this means. But to not overcomplicate this, to try to simplify this, I think we can start by, by saying this. There are at least two reasons why salt matters and therefore why you matter. And the first thing I would say is the reason salt matters is because salt gives flavor. Salt seasons. Salt makes food enjoyable. Um, thanks to Josh Everett, a member of our missional community, he recently talked me into getting a Z-grill. It's a wood pellet grill. I'll never go back to propane again. I uh, never use charcoal. It's amazing. I love my wood pellet grill. Luke's got a wood pellet grill, one of our pastors. And yesterday we were sending pictures of the food that we were making. And, and so the last couple of weeks, I mean, I've been cooking up a storm. And I, I'm the best cook all of a sudden I've ever been. You set the temperature. It's like I'm just like throwing ingredients on behind my back. I mean, it's just like I feel so confident in my cooking abilities all of a sudden. But I've cooked so much over the last week. I, I, I've done, I see, a chicken. I've done a Boston butt. I've done pork chops. I've done hamburgers. And by the way, if you cook hamburgers, this is just... Total side note, I didn't, this early service didn't get this. Don't throw a bunch of stuff in it, okay? That's a meatloaf. And so, it's just keep it simple. 
Let the meat do the talking. Thank you for whoever clapped. I cooked hamburgers last night. I cooked these steaks. I think we got a picture of it. We can put on the screen. We got a picture of it, maybe? Yeah, there it is. My wife, yeah, my wife, uh, I sent her to Feisty's. I said, get us a, a bone-in ribeye, Megan. She came back with this inch and a half thick ribeye. I was like, babe, I'm going to have to go mow yards like to make money to pay for those. Like, you're, you can't get meat anymore. And so uh, we, we, we ate one of these. We got one still left. We'll munch on it whenever we get home and probably eat on uh, some tomorrow too. But um, I've made all this different meat. And you know what one ingredient I've used on every piece of meat? Salt. And why is that? Because salt enhances the flavor of something. If something doesn't taste good... For example, if you get a steak and you don't like the way it tastes, you don't add more steak to it. You're going to add salt. Uh, this past week, our staff meeting was at Brick Oven. And uh, uh, one of our staff members, Heather Watson, I guess she wanted to, to enhance the flavor of her pizza. And so what did she do? She didn't add more pizza to it. She put salt on it. And why is that? Because just a little bit of salt goes a long way. Salt makes bad food better and good food great. It brings out what something is meant to taste like. And listen, what Jesus is therefore getting at when he says, you're the salt of the earth, is he is saying, if you are my disciple, your very presence is meant to flavor the world around you. Do you realize, guys, if the church is being the church, what this means is literally, we will season the world around us with hope and love and joy and peace that only the real Jesus can bring. That's what it means to be salt. But secondly, salt doesn't just flavor, but salt also preserves. Keep in mind, whenever Jesus says you're the salt of the earth. He says this in the first century. And so this is long before the miraculous invention of, of the refrigerator and the freezer. And so this was back in the day that if you wanted to preserve your food, if you wanted to keep it from corrupting or decaying, you had to cover it in salt. And therefore what Jesus is saying is that when he says you're the salt of the earth, is what he is saying is that you not only now have the ability to flavor the world, but you also have the ability to protect and preserve what is good in the world from decay. So you are, as a disciple, called to work against corruption. We're called to work against racism. We're called to work against legalism. We're called to work against marital breakdown. We're called to work against addictions and, and, and poverty and all anything else that's suffering or anything else that is suffering as a result of the decaying effects of sin. And so again, I just want to stop and say, if you are a follower of Jesus, you're more valuable than you can imagine. You are more powerful than you can think. You have more authority than you can think. The Bible says that, that if you belong to Jesus, if you have trusted in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, you are now in him and he is in you, which means what is true of Jesus is true of you. And therefore, listen, you, you, you have the ability to transform any space that you are in. Some of you, maybe you work a job that you do not like and you're like, man, why in the world does God have me here? My job is just, it stinks. I mean, my boss's last name is Decay, right? Like, I mean, it's like corruption. People are complaining. Why am I here? You know why you're there? To be salt. You are there so that you can work against the corruption and the decay of the world around you. This is what it means to be the salt of the earth. Secondly, Jesus goes on to say, you're not just the salt of the earth, but then he also says, you're the light of the world. I love it here. He doesn't just say, you're the light of your house. He doesn't say, you're the light in your school, or you're the light in your neighborhood, or you're the light in your place of employment. No, he says, you are the light of the world. And again, notice, he doesn't say you have light. He says, you are light, like it's in you. In John chapter 8, Jesus says what? 
I am the light of the world. And so again, if Christ is now in you through his Holy Spirit, guess what that makes you? You are now the light of the world. And what does light do? Well, again, to, to keep from overcomplicating this, light scatters darkness. It pushes away shadows so that those who are walking in darkness can find their way to Jesus. This is what it means to be light. It means that we bear witness to Christ so that rather than people tripping into destruction, they can find their way to God and therefore as a result find their way into the happiness and the wholeness that they are longing for. This is what it means to be light. And listen, this is who you are if you're a disciple of Christ. Now, up to this point, everything is awesome, right? Everything is encouraging Jesus is calling out something in us that is greater than we could ever imagine, or maybe you even believe today. But if you notice before we end, notice Jesus in this passage, he doesn't just give us two blessings, but he also provides two warnings. And though I certainly want you to hear the blessings today, I also want you to pay attention to these warnings. And the first one is found in verse 13. Look back with me. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. Again, this is who you are. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything, here's the warning, except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You see what Jesus is saying? He's saying that, okay, you are salt. We've established that. If you're a disciple, that's who you are. But if you lose your saltiness, if you lose your ability to flavor the world, if you lose your ability to preserve what is rotting and decaying in the world around you, Jesus literally said here, you're no longer useful. And therefore, you'll be thrown out and you'll be trampled underfoot. So, Jesus says, don't lose your saltiness. That's a pretty harsh warning. So, I think the question we need to be asking is, well, then how do we lose our saltiness? And here's how you lose your saltiness. You lose your saltiness by failing to live as a distinct individual from the world. You fail, you lose your saltiness when rather than adding flavor to the world or preserving the world, you end up becoming like the world. Does that make sense? And as a result, you become the opposite of the Beatitudes that Jesus laid out for us last week in Matthew 5. And so here's what that means. Rather than being poor in spirit, you become proud in spirit. A self-made man, a self-made woman. Rather than mourning the brokenness in you and around you, you just numb your pain. You refuse to sit in the pain. You numb it with things like Netflix and pornography and pills and alcohol. Rather than being humble and learning the freedom of self-forgetfulness, you self-promote. You look for opportunities to position in such a way that you can make it seem like you're being humble, but really, you know what I'm doing? Like you're, you're, you're letting them know that you talk to that person or you accomplish that thing. So people are like, wow, you're amazing. Rather than hungering and thirsting for righteousness, and pursuing first the kingdom of God, you're pursuing first your kingdom. Life is all about you. Just pursue the American dream. Rather than being pure in heart, you have a divided heart. So you're one person here on Sunday morning, but you're another person behind closed doors. Does that make sense? And let me just say this, by the way, the most important thing about you as a disciple is never what you do in public, it's what you do in private. You have a divided heart. Rather than living as a peacemaker, you seek revenge when you're wrong. You hold on to bitterness or you write somebody off or just as bad, you become a peacekeeper. It's different. Peacemaker and peacekeeper, two different things. Peacekeeper is like, I'm going to avoid conflict at all costs. Right? Peacemakers, they, they, they dive headlong into the conflict for the purpose of making reconciliation. If you're losing your saltiness, rather than, than being willing to be persecuted for Christ's sake, you, you live with this fear of man. 
And you begin to say, well, I'm just never going to be offensive. I'm never going to speak the truth. I'm never going to stand up for the truth. I'm just going to try to be as cool as I possibly can be and as hip as I can be so that I can get as many people as possible to like me. And by the way, just so you know, I'd say that's one of the biggest reasons why the church has been in such decline over the last 20 years in the United States. Because if you know anything about church history over the last 20 years, uh, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, Christians kind of came to this awareness where they're like, man, we're, we're, we're kind of dorky. We're kind of nerdy. And so they're like, you know, at that time, like we were all still wearing like, you know, matching braided belts and we had the shirts instead of saying like, you know, like this, this buds for you. It's like this bloods for you. Remember those? Shirts and everything. And, and all of a sudden we're like, yeah, it's kind of nerdy. Like, that's not really cool. So here's what we're going to do. In order to, to win the culture back, we're going to give Jesus an upgrade. And we're going we're gonna to look at the world and we're going to figure out what the world thinks is cool and then we're going to come like that. So here's what we're going to do. We're just some subtle changes. We're going to begin to cuss a little bit because that's kind of a little bit edgy, you know? Like, remember the day it's like you couldn't even say dang because your dad would be like, that's too close to this word or whatever. Maybe that was just my dad. But so we're like, so we're going to, we're just going to cuss a little bit. That's kind of edgy. Jesus never said anything. Jesus never said we didn't have to cuss, right? Or we couldn't cuss. All right? And so we're not going to give ourselves to drunkenness, but we are going to drink our beer. And of course, we're going to take a picture with the beer by the Bible and let people know, like, hey, we're not legalistic. Like, you know, that's cool too. All right? And we're going to dress like the world and listen to the same music of the world and watch the movies of the world. And of course, yes, like we're still going to wave like our Jesus banner whenever we can, as long as it's convenient. And and what we thought is, man, if we can just make Jesus cool again, like then we'll win the culture back for God. And the problem is, like, we just became more and more of a laughingstock. We became sillier and sillier in the eyes of the world, and, and, and the world has continued to decay rapidly. And this is why Mark Sayers, in his book, The Disappearing Church, he argues that if we're going to make a cultural impact, he says we must trade cultural relevance for gospel resilience. And this is what Jesus is getting at here. He says, look, if, if you want to help preserve what is good in a world of decay, listen, guys, if you really want to live as salt, you need to be focusing more on your holiness than your coolness. Like we need to come to a point where we are willing to be a little bit weird in the eyes of the world. We need to come to a point, we just need to be okay with that, with being different and distinct from the people around you who do not even believe in the resurrection of Jesus. And so a lot of that, I would just ask you this morning, are you living a distinct life? Are you embracing your identity as salt by living in a distinguishable way from the world? Are you different from those around you? When you think about how you handle your finances and your sexuality and your free time, how you talk, do you embody clearly, do you embody different values than those of the world? It's an important question, guys, we all have to answer today because Jesus again says here, you are salt, but if you lose your saltiness, you're no longer useful and you'll be thrown out and trampled. The next warning is he says, not just are we to make sure we don't lose our saltiness, but next he says, don't hide your light. And so if you read again in verse 14, he says, you're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and its light gives or it gives light to everyone in the house. So listen real carefully. If the first warning is Jesus saying, don't become like the world. The second warning is do not separate yourself from the world. Does that make sense? The second warning is, is, it is basically Jesus saying here, don't come to this place where you just hang out in your little Christian bubble. Don't be the person who, who only hangs out with other Christians. This is a warning against those who refuse to walk across the street and talk to their neighbor. 
It's a warning to those who refuse to have gospel conversations. It's a warning to those who refuse to take their headphones out when they work out and actually try to build a relationship with people around them. It's a warning to those who refuse to go and hang out with those people and instead just kind of hang out in their own little holy huddle. And a lot of that, I would just ask you this morning this question. When is the last time you had a non-Christian eating around your dinner table? If you were to look at your call log this past week, your text messages, how many of those people that you were communicating with are clearly far from God? Are you shining your light into the darkness? Or have you put the light under a bowl? Jesus says eventually you do that, guess what's going to happen? The light's going to go out. The light's going to go out. And listen, I get it. There is a danger to us becoming like the world. But I would say a far greater danger is us trying to avoid the world. This is why Jesus in John 17 in his high priestly prayer, when he's praying for his disciples, he says, God, I pray not that you will take them out of the world, but that you will protect them from the evil one as they remain in the world. Why? Because as disciples, we are called not to hide from the darkness, but to go in the power of the Holy Spirit and shine our light into the darkness. C.T. Studd, um, which isn't that a great name. Anybody, if if you're pregnant here, think about that for a kid's name. C.T. Studd, okay? Might not work for y'all, but some of you it might work. C.T. Studd was a professional cricket player, millionaire, Jesus saved him and he gave his life to live in as a missionary. And here's what he said. Some wish to live within the sound of a church bell. I want to set up a rescue shop in a yard of hell. How bad is that? That is awesome. That's what it means, bless you. That's what it means to be light. That's what it means. Rather than than setting in our Christian comfort zones... We step out in the power of the Holy Spirit and we shine the light of Jesus into the darkness. And why do we do this? Look, verse 16, so that, look what Jesus says, others may see your good deeds. Not your bumper stickers, not your Christian t-shirts, not your Facebook memes, but they may see your good deeds, how you love and serve others the way Christ has loved and served you. And what is the result? They will glorify God your Father in heaven. As most of you know, in an attempt to help our church live as light in a dark place, we require that every missional community have a specific mission focus, which means every missional community is required to focus on a group of people who may be far from God so they can disciple them towards God. They can shine the light into the darkness. And so we have missional communities that focus that are working in the foster care system. We have missional communities um, that are working with recovering addicts. We have missional communities that are working with youth sports. And even yesterday, uh, our youth sports MC through this wonderful sports clinic had like 80 kids show up for it. Just fantastic work. And so, you know, we have missional communities that work with veterans. The list goes on and on. My missional community that I'm a part of, it's called Glocal. And we just seek to live as local people who love our global neighbors well. And so we have... Um, about 25 Ethiopians, uh, Ethiopian Muslims that we've built relationships with, and they're in our homes frequently, and we're eating dinner together around our tables. And um, I guess it was two weeks ago, one of uh, the men that we work with, he came to me, and he's never asked us for a penny, never asked us for a dime. 
And he, he basically, because of a lack of, of, of communication skills that he has, trying to learn English, he basically got tricked into this, this deal at a business here, in, or actually in Jonesboro, and they charged him $600, and he had to pay it within two days. And for him, $600 literally could have just been $6 million. There's no way he could have paid this. And so he came to me, and he said, Pastor Jared, is there anything that, that you can do? I promise you, like, we'll pay you back. Is there anything you can do? And so I just invited my missional community to be a part of this with me, and I just said, hey, can, can, can we just rally some money together and give this man $600? And, of course, my MC, they're amazing, and they're like, absolutely. And so within, like, you know, 30 minutes, we had $600, um, the power of the church, right? And so um, I had the money collected, and, and eventually this man, he came to my office to get it, and I handed him the money. And when I did, I'm not exaggerating this at all. It's not preacher talk. This is... True story. He, he just began to say, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. And then he grabbed my hand. He began to kiss it over and over, which was really awkward for me, right? And so, but what I've learned is that there's awesomeness. Like awesome is in the awkward, right? Like it's like when you get out of your comfort zones when God really doesn't amazing. So I'm a germaphobe, of course. Never had another man kiss my hand, but it was a, it's a really sweet moment. He kisses my hand probably seven, eight times. And then when he stops, he looks up at me and he says, Pastor Jared, I hear many people say they're Christians, but your church Christians. And uh, he said, I, he said I, I see Jesus in your church. And I said, Tamara, I said, Tamara, who's Jesus to you? And he said, because, uh, you know, Muslims believe in Jesus, by the way. They believe he was the sinless man, believe he was born of a virgin birth. They believe a lot of things we believe. They just don't believe he's the Messiah. They don't believe that he came and died for our sins. So I just said, who's Jesus to you? And here's what he says. He said, he's the one who died for my sins. And I said, Tamara, that's, that's not a Muslim teaching. And he goes, I know, but it's the truth. Beautiful moment. Beautiful moment. It's what Jesus is just talking about here. What's he seeing? He's told me before over and over. He says, your best sermon. He's come. He's actually was here last week at one of our services. He said, your best sermon has been your life and your MC's life. It's what Jesus is talking about here. And I'm so thankful, man. We had... Uh, Alton and Lindsay Irwin in our first service, and I was thinking about them. It just triggered a thought because they were sitting here in the second row, and, and we had a family that just now sort of come into our church, and when we asked them what brought them into the crossing, they said, oh, well, Lindsay uh, really loved our family well when my father was dying, and just the love that we saw in her, we were just like, what's different about you? And she said, oh, and she basically shared the gospel, and I'm like, well, what church are you a part of? She said, the crossing, like, okay, we want to go be a part of that church. And so they've been coming for the last couple months because of her witness, because she was shining a light into the darkness. Because when that happens, what Jesus says is literally people will see Christ as he is and they will not be able to help but say glory to God. And a lot of that, here's a question I want to ask you. Though I'm in front of a crowd, I'm in front of a crowd of individuals, so I actually encourage you just to ask yourself this question. Is my life glorifying God? Is my work that I'm doing glorifying God? Is my language and how I talk, is that glorifying God? Is my parenting, is it glorifying God? Is my marriage, is that glorifying God? You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Listen to me, look right at me. The reason you exist is so that other people can taste and see how good God really is. And so, yeah, Despite what you've been told, you matter more than you could ever imagine. Don't let the devil, don't let anybody else lie to you. You are of incredible value. You know, one of the things that we're all trying to figure out is, am I going to be able to make my life count? 
Do I matter? Uh, do I have any influence at all? Like, is my life going to make a difference whatsoever? And listen, if you are in Christ Jesus, if you are a disciple, your life, according to Jesus, if it's true, and I believe it is, your life is filled with more meaning and purpose and significance than you ever thought was possible. And so with that in mind, as we kind of begin to come for a close today, if you're here and you're a disciple, the call is simple. If you're a disciple of Jesus, here's the call. It's for you to simply be who you are. Just be who you are. To simply live out what is true about you. Live out your God-given identity. Be salt and be light. For others in here, if, if you're listening by podcast, you're here this morning and you are not a disciple, listen, I'm so glad that you're here. I really am so glad that you're here. But here's what I want you to know. Please look right at me. We're almost done. Everyone needs to hear this today. If you're not finding your identity and what Christ says about you, you're going to try to make some sort of counterfeit identity that will never be able to stand the test of time. You will end up working your tail off trying to prove yourself to yourself and to others. And I'm telling you, you will end up being lonely. You will end up uh, being exhausted and you will end up being unfulfilled. And so today, what I want to encourage you to do is I, I want you to go from believing what the world says about you, what you say about yourself, or trying to find your identity and all of your works, to finding your identity and your worth and your value in the finished work of Jesus Christ on your behalf. And, and if you're here and you're like, but yeah, how can this ever be true of me? Like, Jared, I'm such a screw up. Or man, you have no idea. Like, Dude, you don't even know what I did last night. If you knew what I did last night, I wouldn't even be allowed in this room. You're the kind of person I believe God might want to use in greater ways than any of the rest of us. And so here's what I want you to do today is rather than believe in this dumb lie that we've fabricated and we've spun in the church where we said, hey, now if you just really want to be used by God, like you want to be light, you want to be salt, like you're going to show up here every Sunday and you're going to have to give 10% and you're going to have to do this, you're going to have to do that. Here's what I want you to do. Rather than trying to, to make yourself or pull yourself up by your bootstraps today, I want you to go to Christ poor in spirit. And if you do, the promise is Jesus will fill you with his Holy Spirit. He will forgive you and he will call you into his kingdom work, and you will truly be able to make your life count. And today, if you have more questions or you want, you want to talk about what this looks like, Adam's up here in the front. I'll be here. We would love to connect with you about that. For others in here, if you are a disciple, here's what we do. And even if you're a guest today and it's your first time with us, again, welcome. So glad you're here. Every week, Jesus has called us to partake of communion. And communion is a way for us to allow Jesus to salt our lives again with his grace and to shine the light of his love into our hearts. And so what we do is we come, and there's two stations in the front, two in the back. We tear off a piece of bread, which represents the body of Christ, and we dip it in the juice, which represents the blood of Christ that is shed for us. And if you're a disciple, even if you're not a member of this church, you're welcome to come and partake of that. And so again, we have two stations here, two in the back, a gluten-free option for you, to my back left, uh, your back right. And again, if you have any questions at all or you want prayer, come and connect with Adam or connect with myself right here on the front.